Okay, good morning everyone, great to see you all. We are going to begin a series of messages, as I mentioned in my bulletin article over the next coming weeks, called Redemptive Relationships. And we're going to talk about familial relationships as well as in the family of God and beyond. And after Father's Day last weekend, I'm going to launch this week's with grandparenting and grandchildren. And I think for some of you that sounds exciting because there's nothing you'd rather talk about than your grandkids. Some of you think, I'm not really too excited about that because maybe you don't have grandkids or maybe you're not connected to them. Hold on. Uh, As I mentioned, we're talking about the family of God because if you are a child of God, if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, then if you're older, you have spiritual grandchildren. If you're younger, you have spiritual grandparents. And so I want you to hear in this message uh, that, even if at times I'll be talking about grandparents, grandchildren in the family sense. How do you connect generation to generation? It's gotten more difficult. With the advance in medical technology and the age life expectancy growing longer and longer. In fact, in 1800, it was 46. It's now 76. There's a bigger span. Sometimes between grandparents and grandchildren, there's a grand canyon, just an inability to connect. In fact, every six seconds in America, they now tell us that someone turns 50. Maybe depressing to some of you. But it gets worse. I mean, it's like, or better. I should say better. Because uh, the fastest growing segment in our culture is 85 plus. I'll think that's better the older I get, you know. And uh, in fact, by 2030, they say that that number presently of those 85 and over will double. So there's a growing gap in difference between Kupuna and Keiki, the older and the younger. How do you connect? How do you bridge the gap? Well, it takes some effort, but this is called redemptive relationships. Redemption means to purchase, to buy back. That takes sacrifice. Think of our redemption. Uh, Christ redeemed us from sin. That took sacrifice, his life. And so if we're going to connect with older people, If we're going to connect with younger people, it's going to require some sacrifice on our part. And I want us to consider a couple of principles, and then we're going to look at a passage from Psalm 78, where the worship leader of Israel at the time had put together a song. That's what those psalms were, in which he expresses some truths that relate to generational transference of precious information. Here's the first principle. A lasting bond is formed as old and young testify openly as to what God has done. There's a verse in Proverbs that, uh, in Proverbs chapter 17, 6, says, Grandparents are proud of their grandchildren. Would anybody argue with that? How many of you are grandparents here this morning? Okay. Now, how many of you are proud of your grandchild? How many of you think you got the smartest grandchild represented here? Okay. (laughs) Of course. Well, I'll tell you what. 
I knew that you would want to share some pictures of your grandchildren. I just didn't have a chance to get to all of you. But I got a few of my own, and I thought <laughs> that I could, you could live vicariously through these, okay? And I'll just share a few pictures with you. And we've got four. Colt and Callie are now 13 and 12. This was Colt when he was a little nipper, and I was reading to him, and, and Tutu was having fun with little Callie girl when she was very young. Then they were growing, and um, a little bit older here, Tutu's reading to her out of her Bible storybook, and Cole did ask me, what's that bracelet, Grandpa? And that's my gospel bracelet, so I'm sharing the gospel with Colt there. And there were bacon pancakes one morning, and I never cook, but I do when I'm with Colt, you know. And, uh, or we make cardboard swords and shields and have a sword fight, or Tutu's putting together Legos or a Spider-Man puzzle with Colt, all kinds of fun things. Uh, Colt, for his sixth birthday, uh, got his dog. He loved his dog, but he loves his grandpa more. And <laughs> so when we're leaving, that was, he was so sad one day, you know. And this was last summer. Now they're 13 and 12, and they were in Colorado and just having fun you know, with those kids. They live in Nebraska. Colt and Callie um, are the bigger cousins because their little cousins now who live in Nashville are Brooks and Weston. And uh, Brooks is six, and Weston is two. And we're looking forward to spending some time with them this week. We're looking forward to having a lot of laughter with them, a lot of fun, because that's what grandkids are for in part. And uh, I remember a few, several years ago now, we took Colt and Callie to Silver Dollar City in Branson, Missouri. And so some of you have been there, and they wanted to ride the roller coaster. So Colt and I actually got there a little bit earlier, as soon as the park opened, and uh, there's roller coasters on each of the four corners. So we went right to the back one. We rode that one five times just without a line. And then Callie joined us at the second or third one. By the time we'd ridden all four roller coasters four or five times, Colt said, I've got a headache, Grandpa. And Callie said, my tummy hurts. And I said, come on, you guys. We're trying to have fun here. <laughs> well, you, you remember Roy Rogers and Dale Evans Rogers was his wife. They had 16 grandchildren, and she would write about them. And she said that uh, one time she was clowning around in the kitchen with her granddaughter, and her granddaughter put her hands on her hips and cocked her head and said, Grandma, you have fun. I thought grandmas were too old to have fun. No, they're not. And, and you know what? We get so many stories, and you should write these stories down about things that your grandkids say, your kids too, obviously, but sometimes we're too busy when they're kids, but we should do that and remember those stories. I have so many. I'll only tell you one, but uh, it was when Colt was just about three, and his little sister Callie was maybe 18 months, and uh, I was entrusted with them as Tutu and Eileen went to town and they said now give them lunch and give them a nap okay I think I can pull this off you know so so we we got through lunch and then I took Callie to her crib and put her down with her bottle okay Colt time for you to go to bed so I took him into his room he has a big boy bed and I'm leaving and he says grandpa I said what he said I'm thirsty I want some milk oh, okay so I go get s some milk and 
uh, I'm going to find a sippy cup, but his are all in the bottom of the sink. And I'm like, oh, boy. So I look in the cupboard. Oh, there's one. So I put some milk in it, take it back to him and hand it to him. I'm leaving the room. He said, Grandpa. I said, what? This is Dora. I said, Dora? Yeah, Dora Explorer. I said, so? She's a girl. I said, this is a girl's cup. Okay. So I took it and I went and uh, got one out of the sink and filled it with milk and took it back to him. Thanks, Grandpa. So I'm leaving the room. Grandpa, what? Did you wash this cup? <laughs> Go to sleep, Colt. <laughs> Kids are great. You know? We have fun as grandparents because we have time. Or we make time. Someone said that grandparenting and parenting uh, is, is like the difference between dating and marriage. In dating, you have lots of time and you have lots of fun, but then you get married and you have responsibilities. And it's like so busy. And that's one of the joys, actually, of being a grandparent if, if you can connect with grandkids. However, as much fun as we have, uh, they tell us, and I believe it, there's some things that we should never do as grandparents. We should never dishonor the parents, speak ill of one or both of them. If we do, and we disrespect them, those kids will learn to do the same thing. We should also never correct a parent uh, of our grandchild or try to take authority over them. They're the parent, and we need to recognize that. We shouldn't change the rules. If they've established the rules, we really need to respect those rules that they've set. And when there's a dispute, we should never take sides uh, between parents. We're there for the union. We're there for the family. And we should always be supportive of them. Grandparents are often the key to a child's self-esteem. This is true of grandparents in a family. This is true of spiritual grandparents in a church with youth in our youth group, with children in our children's ministry as well. We can be the key to their self-esteem. They need to know that somebody believes in them, sees their gifts, potential. There's a fellow by the name of uh, R, Dr. R. Lofton. He's with the American Association for Marriage and Family. He was working with a client who was working through some of her emotional issues and he asked her, so who's been the most influential person in your life? She said, well, that's easy. That would be my grandparents. I didn't see them too often because my mom hated them. They were my dad's parents, but uh, they were the ones. He said, well, if you didn't see them very often, how could they have been that influential? She said, they believed in me, and they made me believe in myself. She said, I remember the day that my grandfather said, Ellie, you don't have to let your parents' problems ruin you. There's something great in you. There's no telling what you can become. The world out there needs you. She said, I'll never forget that speech. He made me believe in myself. That's so important, isn't it? That kids know that somebody believes in them. And as important as it is that they develop a healthy self-esteem, it's even more important, infinitely more important, that they believe there's someone beyond themselves, greater still, and that's the Lord. And that's the opportunity that parents and grandparents 
have to share with the next generation. Here's how Asaph put it in Psalm 78. Listen, my people, to my teaching and pay attention to what I say. I am going to use wise sayings and explain mysteries from the past, things we have heard and known, things that our ancestors told us. We will not keep them from our children. We will tell the next generation about the Lord's power and his great deeds and the wonderful things that he has done. In some ways, it might have been easier in ancient Israel for them to do this because they lived together. Multi-family dwellings like we have in Hawaii a lot. Generation to generation. But they didn't live as long either during this period of time. And they may be fortunate to see their grandchildren. Hardly ever their great-grandchildren. But they were to tell them uh, because they had the opportunity. Today, we're often separated by geographical distances between us. Or even can live in the same home. And there's a, a, an emotional separation that's taken place because of busyness, a lack of interest. Sometimes children don't seem that interested in what grandma's doing or grandpa's doing. Or, or grandparents now have gotten so busy and distracted in their own engagements that grandkids aren't a priority. And they miss the opportunity to pour into the lives of those young people. That's true in families. It's true in church families as we get disconnected. And uh, that's why we want more and more to connect intergenerationally, just like our vision statement says. We want to make an effort. We're gonna, you're going to see evidences of that in the days to come. It has to be intentional in a spiritual family, in a church, as well as in a family. So many of you, I've seen that in your lives. I've known the Tominari family for over 35 years. When Paul and Jerry came to our church in Hawaii, their little girls were like two, four, and six. And uh, that was a long time ago. But I've watched their intentionality at connectedness through the decades. And so I've asked them to share about that. And you're going to hear about it in this brief video. It's uh, Paul and Jerry and Dana. Um, you know, being a grandparent is so much different than being a parent because we have the time now to spend and invest in our grandchildren. Um, we kind of miss the boat with our own kids in a lot of ways, but uh, we're just making a bigger and better effort at just spending quality time with James and uh, really helping him to learn about God as often and as much as we can. And, uh, you know, the choice is going to be his, but we want to lay the foundation for him that he can uh, make the right choice when he's able to. Well, I think that's what we see as our most important job, right? Being sure that he grows up to be a man after God's, God's own heart um, and be a real servant. And at his age, what he does with Dana and Bobby too, which is great, is before every meal, he says pule, you know, to pray. Before he goes to sleep, he does that. And then I think the people part too, you know, like everyday things. So like Paul's taught him whenever there's an ambulance sound, like somebody must be in trouble. So then they stop and say a prayer, you know, for the person that um, may be hurting. You have to really make the time for your family. 
and that's really important. We were fortunate in that we had my parents and then Jerry's parents uh, living with us at different times of our uh, children's uh, upbringing as well. So we had that advantage of having you know, the grandparents involved, uh, which took a lot of pressure off of us. But had, had I been able to do it over again, I would have made more time to, to really invest in, in our children. So I was actually, I think, very blessed growing up because we lived in the same house as my dad's parents, my grandma Thelma and my grandpa Frank. And we also spent every weekend with my mom's parents, my grandpa Mike and my grandma Fumi. And both sets of grandparents, we'd do things together. So we'd have dinners where Grandma Thelma would come out to Waipahu and, and back and forth. And so we got to spend a lot of time with them. And I think as a child, I didn't appreciate that because it seemed like everyone I knew had grandparents who were nearby. And then I went to college and I really saw that a lot of my friends did not grow up with grandparents even in the same state. Um, and so they didn't have the kind of relationship that I had with either set of my grandparents. It took me going away to college to realize that that was an experience that a lot of kids don't have growing up. I said when we were younger it was so much about them sort of pouring love into our life and my parents really making family a priority for us and so as we grew older that never changed. We still had family dinner at my grandparents house in Waipahu every Saturday night um, and it just it was second nature to us we didn't know any different and then I think when we went away to college and we realized how other people didn't have that same experience it made us appreciate it more so then when we came home you know we made sure to make time to spend with my grandparents. Um, I, I really would encourage um, people who are my age or younger to make time to spend with your grandparents or, or older people in your life because they have incredible amounts of wisdom. Um, they have lived through things that we may never, you know, we may never experience. And the wisdom that they have and that they've gained is so valuable. And I know in sort of this fast-paced world that we live in now where everyone's, it's all about, you know, being on your cell phone. And um, sometimes it, it's, very valuable to take a minute and slow down and have that conversation with someone who's older and more experienced and has lived through lived through things and has wisdom to share um, and I'm so happy that I spent the time that I did with my grandparents because um, what I learned from them and what I gained from that them I would never have gotten that any other way yeah, that's really true. And so what we need to understand, and I think we have a glimpse of it, is that young people can learn so much from older people, but we who are older can sure learn a lot from younger people as well. I mean, not just about how to use our cell phones, but uh, what's happening in their lives spiritually as well and uh, how they're responding to the Lord. One little guy was talking to his grandmother, and he said, Grandma, do you know how you and God are alike? She thought, wow, uh, she's mentally polishing her halo and said, no, how are we alike? 
He said, you're both old. <laughs> True. Well, you know, one of the folks that's older in our church is Ethel Chow. She and Donald, uh, I, th she came here in 1955. Donald's not able to get out much. He's in a care home. But uh, she comes regularly. And recently, she put her life down in print, did a little thing. She's got chapters and everything. She dictated it to her cousin, who's visiting here from Texas. And uh, I pulled one quote out of it. And uh, this is what Ethel said. In 1967, I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. One day, Pastor Gallagher visited us in the evening. He discussed Jesus with us and how we needed a Savior. Both Donald and I decided we, need, we did need Jesus, and we agreed to be baptized to show our public faith in Jesus. We didn't worry about anything because God would take care of us. After I was baptized, I felt like a new person. My decision to follow Christ made my work easy. And she goes on from there. And you know why she did this? She did this for her grandchildren and for the coming generations. She wanted them to know about her life and her faith. Now, I don't know uh, if her grandchildren are even interested in that right now. But one day, I believe they will be. And uh, so what an opportunity to testify, as she's doing here, about the great deeds of the Lord and the wonderful things that he has done. We can do that personally, verbally. We can also do it in this kind of a fashion. You don't have grandchildren, or maybe you're not close to them. That doesn't hinder us from pouring into the lives of younger children around here. As I say through our youth group, through this church, through our Sunday school, through uh, compassion ministry. Some of us support compassion kids and I wrote three letters this last week to our compassion kids. I'm not bragging about that because I usually don't do that. Dee usually does that, I have to confess. But cut and paste is nice, you know, and you can send those out just online now. But I want to tell you, these little kids in developing nations, when they receive these letters, they're treasures. And they say, somebody believed in me. And it makes all the difference. We can also do it through our Common Grace Ministry. I mean, we got 25 volunteers, aunties and uncles that go up to Palolo Elementary during the school year and just spend an hour with that kid in the public school. But then outside of that is where some things really take place. Uh, so many years ago, when I first uh, started spending time with little Jackson over at Queen Liliokalani School, he was in the second grade. We started playing chess at that time and he was really withdrawn, having a tough time. About the second year, uh, he started phoning us in the summer and connecting, talking like he wouldn't even talk in person. He came to VBS, Vacation Bible School. Then he started coming to church uh, on Sunday, Sunday school. And there was another little guy in his class named Oscar. And we'd take those kids out to McDonald's after church, just so many Sundays. And uh, I got to know their menu real well. We, we would uh, go fishing at Nuuanu Reservoir different times. We played baseball with Jackson and with Oscar. Went to UH baseball games. He's learned to love sports. He knows a lot more about baseball and football than I do this time. He, we played golf together, miniature golf. We've gone to the Sony Open. We've watched a lot of NFL games together. Uh, we went to the Pro Bowl here back in February. 
He, in fact, both those kids helped me sell uh, I Love Kaimo Key t-shirts over at the Long's Drug Store here a while back. And then just last week, we watched the NBA championship game. We've shared life together, but it's given us opportunity just to share Jesus together. He, he was the drummer this morning, you know, in our service. And uh, he used to sit up here uh, with me on the front row. He, he's too big for that now, you know. But, uh, but one time I was preaching away, and, and I noticed people were kind of looking around and everything. And then pretty soon I noticed Tim from the sound loft comes down and talking to Jackson down there. And I, I realized afterwards he'd gotten a hold of my remote. And he was, had the laser pointer on my forehead and uh, on the wall. And he was starting flipping pictures with the remote. It's like, so anyway, he's come a long way from the remote to the trap set over here. But you know what? It's life-changing for me and for him and for you and for younger people and younger people and older people as we share life together. And that creates a sticky faith where we stick together in the family of God. And you're going to hear more about that in the months to come. That's the first principle. Second one's actually a lot shorter. And it's this. A lasting bond is formed as old and young share a common faith where God's the glue. Here's how Asaph puts it in Psalm 78. He gave laws to the people of Israel and commandments to the descendants of Jacob he instructed our ancestors to teach his laws to their children so that the next generation might learn them and in turn should tell their children. In this way, they also will put their trust in God and not forget what he has done, but always obey his commandments. A lot of people want to leave an inheritance to their children and, and, and maybe are excited about leaving them a home or some money. Some may feel like, I don't really have that much to give them. You know what? There's no greater inheritance that we could ever give to our children or our grandchildren than a solid faith in Jesus Christ. That's forever. That's for eternity. And that'll change our lives here and now and make a difference in their uh, present day existence. Alma Rowe is an older person in our church. She and her husband uh, spent years in Taiwan and in South Korea as missionaries. Came back here many years ago now, and um, she started our international ministry, which has just flourished now through these probably six years. And uh, I was hearing her talk a while back, and so I said, Hey, Alma, tell me more about that. So she sent me an email this week, and, and this is in part what it said. I want to leave a spiritual legacy for my 11 grandkids. So in January 2014, I started on the project of reading through a Bible for each of the grandkids. With that child in mind, I underlined significant verses that impacted my life and could easily be an inspiration to that child. I especially marked the verses I memorized as a child. For example, at Psalm 23, I noted in the margins that I memorized this psalm when I was in the fifth grade, and I hope that God will be his shepherd. For Luke 2, I noted that I recited several verses at a Christmas program in church when I was in the fourth grade. It takes me about four months to go through a whole Bible. I'm now on the tenth Bible, so I should be able to finish this project by the end of the year. I read at least an hour a day and pray for that child who will probably be in his 30s or 40s 
when he or she receives the Bible at my memorial service. I got most of my Bibles from my own collection, Goodwill, and even a couple from Charlie Jones' service. When Charlie Jones had his service here, he had a whole rack of books and Bibles available. All of the Bibles are full of study notes from the editors, so it's been a blessing to me personally and eventually a blessing to my grandkids when they receive the Bible. Isn't that powerful? That'll be a treasure. Now, you may not do that, but you can share in a letter, a verse, a testimony, what God has meant in your life with your grandchildren that'll one day be given to them at our memorial service as well. I think that's a great idea. Here's what the Apostle Paul said to young Timothy. I remember the sincere faith you have, the kind of faith that your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice also had. I am sure that you have it also. For this reason, I remind you to keep alive the gift that God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Wow. Yeah, past, generation to generation, rekindled through the years of that young person's life. As I was preparing for this message and pondering, you know, the kupuna and the keiki connection or sometimes disconnection, a weird thought occurred to me, which often happens during sermon prep, and I thought of superglue. I don't know if they still do this, but you remember how you'd buy it and it would come in a package and there'd be two tubes side by side. So like if uh, this mic stand piece breaks, uh, I decide I want to repair it, I take the package out, but I only want to use one tube because I'm a little thrifty here. And so I put that, on. it's not going to work, right? You got to take both tubes, squeeze them out, mix it together. Sometimes it's messy. Sometimes it's really, you know, kind of difficult. You can stick to yourself. But, but if you mix them together and then you put it on there, you got a bond that is going to last. And I really see that as a picture of what happens when older and younger people come together and the Lord is in the midst of them. Where it's not just about having fun, but it's about talking about what Jesus has done in our lives and what he wants to do because there's a bond that's eternal. And that makes all the difference. Something that we can do, folks. Do you think that your faith matters to the next generation? Or if you're younger, do you think your faith matters to an older generation who may never have connected with the Lord? It absolutely does. And so what we need to understand is that uh, we have an opportunity and actually we have a responsibility to transfer that faith. And when we do that, we're going we're gonna to know that somebody else is receiving what we give we'll receive infinitely more. We will be blessed in the process and God will be glorified. Please bow together with me for prayer. With your heads bowed, I, I just want you to think about your own faith. And I want you to think about maybe someone in your life that you can intentionally connect with. Maybe it's someone younger. Maybe it is a grandchild or Maybe a spiritual grandchild, someone in this church. Maybe you can think of someone older that you can connect with. And get intentional about it. And start listening and talking to that person. Building that relationship and beginning to share your faith in various ways with that person. 
Lord, with these names on our hearts, would you give us uh, the impetus just to move forward intentionally, empowered by your Holy Spirit, uh, taking steps of faith to see, first of all, recognize the older or the younger people around us and realize how precious and how valuable each one is and the opportunity that is before us. Lord, uh, make a difference through our lives as we spend the generations for your glory. I pray this in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen.